Samuel Goldwyn Films presents The Incredible Story of Two Brothers Torn Apart by a War They Did Not Believe In They fought for freedom. They fought for honor. And they fought to find each other again. From the world-renowned filmmaker, Kong Jae-gyu, the director of Shidi, comes a breathtaking adventure you will never forget. <laughs> Chang Dong-gun, Won Bin, Eun-ju. Tae The Brotherhood of War. Hello, welcome back to K-Have You Seen, the movie podcast with hot takes on cold viewings. My name is Kyle. I'm Kari. And uh, we are joined by a very special guest. Special guest, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Anastasia, and I've been listening to this podcast since I first heard about it, and I've been loving it every single week. Yes. Um, that's right, yeah. people. If you love the podcast enough, <laughs> we'll bring you on. Yes. Um, yeah, and I like watching movies, and I like talking about them, and yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one. Fantastic. Awesome. And the movie that Anastasia has brought to our table today is, I'm going to probably butcher the pronunciation, but it's Taiguki. Taeguki. Taeguki. Okay, this is the 2004 South Korean Korean War epic um and uh, we are going to dive into this one this was kari and i's first viewing of course um now before we really get into the movie of course if you uh if you're a fan of the show you've heard us say this before but uh if you're just joining us for the first time please by all means follow us on instagram follow us on facebook subscribe give us a give us a like give us a rating write a review for our podcast and who knows you too could be the next Okay, have you seen guest host? That's right, people. Send those emails. Send us your lists. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who we are. And you know that we will watch pretty much anything. Um, but uh, yes, so Teguki, is that yes. closer? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the Brotherhood of War. Is that is that apocryphal or was that like, because it's sometimes listed yeah. Teguki and sometimes Teguki, yeah. the Brotherhood of War. I honestly am not entirely sure. I feel like the formal name of it includes everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I know that I've heard something about like how they changed the name. It oh. used to be um, waving the flag instead of the Brotherhood of War. Mm. So I have heard that. I don't know if maybe that's a part of it. If like maybe because they changed that, that's why. Gotcha. But usually if you just, you know, say Teguki, um, which actually represents the Korean flag. That's the name of the Korean flag. Oh, um, even oh if you okay. Know that, yeah. So even if you Google search that, the movie will pop up. Not entirely sure why. It's Interesting. Pop up, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, from what I understand, this movie was extremely popular in Korea yes. when it was released mm -hmm. and is still considered like one of the not just best Korean war films but just in general one of the best Korean films yes. and one of the most popular Korean films so yes. um, it kind of makes sense in that way so I so the the, the phrase Taeguki is is that sort of like old glory would be in, in America or something like that is it, is it like a nickname or is it like the official name of the flag it's or the something official like? name of the flag wow okay but yeah. stars and stripes is that is that even the official star, name of the American flag st star spangled banner or star something like yeah, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. interesting yeah, yeah, if you say it refers to the actual flag to the flag yeah. got it okay cool mm -hmm. um 
So, of course, again, Kari and I's first time seeing this movie. Kari, how would you summarize the plot of this film? Ooh, it is, it's an epic. There's a lot happening. <laughs> but essentially, two brothers grow up in Seoul um, right around, they're probably, I think the younger brother, he says he's 18, right when North Korea invades South Korea in 1950. Um, and the younger brother gets essentially kind of conscripted slash kidnapped, yeah. and the older brother goes to war with him essentially to protect him because the younger brother is in school. He's he's really the hopes of the family, it's, uh, the hopes of their advancement. Um, and so the older brother is kind of always taking care of him, and that's really the through line throughout their experience of war is this older brother doing everything he can um, to win glory, which is the way that he sees to send his little brother home, but that, of course, causes conflict where the younger brother thinks that he's just, he's babying him, one, and he's also just in it for himself and for the glory and and getting too bloody in the pursuit of being kind of this this heroic older brother. So follows their experience through the war, through various twists and turns, and um, yeah, I... We won't talk about the ending yet, but it's also yeah. within a frame story of one of the brothers, once he's probably in his 80s, I guess, it's 2000? Late 70s, early 80s, 70s probably, yeah. yeah. I said 50 um, years after. Right, yeah. so it's it's a frame story of, of this, of one of the brothers kind of maybe finding out where their estranged brother is and, and following that, but that's kind of a very brief part of mm -hmm. the, the yeah. movie. So. Yeah, the story the story is really interesting in the way it's presented because, I mean, it does, and we'll definitely get into this as we proceed in the conversation, but, like, it follows a lot of kind of very common and in some ways almost, like, cliche, like, war movie tropes, yeah. but the storyline at its, like, you know, in its bones is really interesting to me because it's, like, the the central like through line is that the older brother wants to like basically strikes a deal early on with their uh senior nco and their unit saying like okay if i can win essentially the south korean army's equivalent of the congressional medal of honor can my brother go home and the guy says yeah sure and so it becomes like which is kind of an absurd premise but also like an interesting way to like he's constantly volunteering for these really dangerous missions to try to win this medal to send his brother home but as it goes on and on he sort of gets addicted to the danger and his younger brother is calls him out on it and says like you're not doing this for me you're doing this for you mm -hmm. and that idea i thought was the most interesting part of the movie and that kind of carries through for a good like two thirds of the of right. the storyline, so I thought that that is kind of what elevated. That is a big part of what elevated this movie beyond like mm -hmm. the kinds of war movies that I've seen a lot of before. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's no really. I didn't find a really satisfactory like official quote unquote mm -hmm. synopsis of it, but yeah. essentially, like we you know we pretty much covered it here. It's not you know it's a pretty straightforward storyline. It's not yeah. real. It's not very complicated in terms of like what happens and why. Right. Um, so before but, we go too deep into it, Anastasia, tell us a little bit about your your background with the movie. When mm -hmm. you first saw it, do you ever rewatch it? Kind of what yeah. your experience of this movie is. Okay, so I think the first time I saw it was back in probably about seventh grade. Mm -hmm. It was Christmas time, and um, we were kind of having like a dinner get together and. Uh, basically, we were having this conversation about what it's like to be living in the U.S. and not really have, like, grown up in Korea with, mm -hmm. like, learning the stuff that you would learn if you were, like, raised mm -hmm. in Korea. So one thing is that they were like, okay, well, one thing that we would like you guys to learn more about is the Korean War. Because, I mean, if you think about it, it was in the 1950s. Like, it was mm -hmm. not that far off or, or, like, that long ago. And so they said, all right, we're going to watch this movie. 
So we watched it, and I just remember the first, I mean, it's very gory. Mm. You know, it's very brutal. Um, And I just remember the first time watching it, I was just completely blown away. I think it was the first time I really had a connection to a war movie, Mm. Um, kind of seeing all the stuff that goes on, like how brutal it was, like all the killing, like, and this movie does not shy away from any of that. Like you really see up and close, like you kind of see the frantic of it and everything. Um, And so for that, it was very, like, um, I guess brought me back to reality of what my country had gone through. And because I felt so disconnected from that, like being raised in the U.S., it kind of kind of like brought me back to that. Um, And yeah, it kind of sparked more interest in learning about the North versus the South. Because as you guys know, like living in the U.S., the media will kind of say South Korea is the good Korea, North Korea is the bad Korea. So it kind of gave me more of an insight into why the split was there, kind of the attitudes towards both countries, and gave me a better understanding of what exactly happened. So just for context here, you know, when you talk about watching this movie, it was your parents, right, having this conversation Mm -hmm. that wanted to like kind of show this. Your parents grew up in Korea. Yes. And so... Anywhere you go in Korea, like the, the thing, one of the things about the Korean War that is important, I think, to remember when thinking about it is that the conflict covered the entirety of North and South mm-hmm. Korea at various yes. times. Like at various times, the North invaded all the way to, you know, Busan, mm-hmm. and at then later on, a few months later, the South Korean and UN forces pushed North Korea all the way to the Chinese border. Mm-hmm. So it covered the entire country, even in the United States with the American Civil War, that didn't happen. Right. And so there's no part of North or South Korea that was not contested ground at some point during that yeah. conflict. So with that in mind, you know, did your parents talk at all about, like, you know, after you watched the movie, did you have questions for them about, like, have they been to these places where these major battles took place? Have you been to any of these places where these major battles took place? Like, talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so my parents never really talked too much about the Korean War, mostly because so they were born in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I try to talk to my grandmother about it, you know, it was, not a lot was said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it is probably because of the trauma that mm-hmm. comes with it, and not just the trauma of the war, but recovering after the mm-hmm. war, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I was never allowed to really visit any of these battlefields. Um, I wasn't even allowed to go to the border, um, where like that divides the North and the South. Mm -hmm. It just was not allowed. So the furthest North I was able to go was Seoul. After that, my parents would not let me go Mm -hmm. beyond that. Um, so yeah, like to be honest with you, a lot of the stuff that I learned about the Korean War was mostly based on my own research. And I think that a big part of it is, and like I said, I think it's still kind of fresh, um, and when I have asked my parents about it, you know, I've asked them very specific questions, and they can answer some of those. Like, I've asked them, you know, when they were going to school, like, how were they taught about the Korean War? Like, what were they told? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I learned a little bit about that, and, you know, my mom basically told me that what they learned is that to not to hate, to not to hate the North Koreans, but to hate the government. And so I think that that message, she said that, like, they weren't raised to hate them. Like, it was kind of like they were taught that, you know, there was this conflict, but we're all Koreans, you know, and the government are the people to hate. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah. yeah. And so knowing, like, watching this sounds like was kind of a gateway into learning a lot more about this time. What did you, on rewatching this movie, I don't know if this is, you probably mm-hmm. rewatched it a couple times, yeah. but um, what do you understand differently or what do you see differently rewatching versus kind of that first 
experience with it? I think rewatching it gave me like kind of time to kind of take it all in. So like the first time I watched it, it's it's very hectic, right? Mm-hmm. Like the battle scenes are really really fast, and you see a lot of the war happening in a very short period of time. Um, so kind of seeing how it goes through like the different seasons, like you know it's like hot, and then you see the snow coming in, and you know, you see how they push all the way down to Busan and they go all the way back up to, to the Chinese border, back down to Seoul. Like, a lot of time passes, or like quickly, and things happen really fast. So by able, like by rewatching it, I was kind of able to mark what exactly happened and kind of map their emotions through it. Mm-hmm. And also, it, it kind of gives you more context to kind of see like how and where the big brothers are like losing, mm-hmm. you know, his kind of mind over like becoming a killing machine, right? Like mm-hmm. he went from being a very tender, caring older brother to just this emotionless, you know. And so for me, I wanted to know where exactly that happened. Like, what is his journey through that, you mm-hmm. know? So that part I thought was better for me to understand, like when I rewatched it a couple of times. Gotcha. I, I, for me at least, there's the change at the end where he kind of switches sides mm-hmm. and he truly is just a killing machine to the point where he doesn't even recognize his brother when he sees him. Right. And, yeah, I think rewatching that would be interesting to track of like, right? Because that seemed to be like, oh my god, where did that come from? Like, yeah. But yeah, I can see where you you can kind of parse everything out a little bit. Right, and I think because like on first watch, you know, you see all the like the traumatic things that happen, and those are the things that really stand out. But the more you watch it, you see like little things that happen in the background, like even like moments of like joy with the soldiers. You know, they all have these like little moments of like joking and like playing around with each other, and like you don't really get to see that the first time you watched it, I think, mm-hmm. because you're so focused in on, like, the things that are happening right in front of you, like, the brutalness of it. Yeah. That's one thing I thought actually was really interesting about the way it was shot, mm-hmm. and I thought was kind of unique. I don't watch a ton of war mo- movies personally, but the depth of what would be in frame, in especially in the action sequences where, like, things are exploding and stuff, but, right. you know, maybe you have your main characters, then you have this explosion behind them, and then you're seeing layers of people behind that mm-hmm. kind of running and... The franticness is, is, you know, the pace is frantic, but then also just what you are seeing in any given shot is so deep and right. so chaotic that it's it's impressive, but it's also, like, overwhelming <laughs> to get everything in at once. Yeah, for sure. And it's in, one of the things that I found interesting, like, my, I mean, first of all, watching this movie, um, you know, my grandfather was in the U.S. Army during the Korean War, and uh, he saw a lot of combat, and so this was some, This is the first time I'd really seen that represented in a movie before mm-hmm. in, in Korea, and so it was on that level, like, you know, seeing it was really interesting to me, um, having heard that, you know, whatever he was involved in, he really didn't talk about at all to anybody yeah. ever, right. and all I knew was that it was pretty bad um and so actually seeing like because you know the americans were essentially facing the same people as the south koreans and you know even the the climactic scene of the movie is american tanks rolling in and basically providing armor support and so like for that that was kind of like a personal connection for me seeing it but that was just like a small you know part of his life um but what really struck me about this movie as you know was and we can talk about this more later on but Compared to American war movies, it seemed very much like a kind of response to Saving Private Ryan, which hmm. uh, Anastasia, you kind of mentioned this as well yeah. um, when you were recommending this movie. Right down to the framing device of like the older veteran, mm-hmm. and Kari, I know you haven't seen that movie, but like the framing device of like this older veteran 
having this connection to a like memorial site, but unlike American movies, it seems like the response is taking every element common to American war movies and taking that element to its extreme. Mm. Like Saving Private Ryan opens with a D-Day veteran or a, a World War II veteran visiting like the American cemetery in Normandy and visiting headstones. This movie involves a veteran visiting a bare skeleton. Mm. And so it's like, that's far more extreme and visceral. Mm -hmm. The violence level, maybe not, because there's only so much you can really show without going completely over the top, but like the brutality, the conditions involved, like that the, not just combat, but just like being in serious danger of starving to death yeah. mm-hmm. uh, is not something that I think that you ever see depicted in American war movies because, frankly, right. I don't think that there's ever been, like, since the Civil War, I don't think there's been a serious situation where American soldiers were in danger of starving to death. Right. Um, or freezing to death. Or freezing to yeah. death. Like, those are things that, like, this... It was all of these elements in addition to just the enemy mm-hmm. um, that you just don't see depicted in American war movies because that historically has not been America's experience in warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seeing that side by side while still having kind of the iconography of like American World War II movies because their uniforms I think were actually like supplied by the United States. All mm-hmm. the weapons were supplied by the United States for the most part to the South Korean army. And so you see that and it's got so it's got the visual iconography of like American World War II movies but everything is like amplified right. um, in a way that you don't really see in American World War II movies even the most brutal and graphic ones you don't really see this kind of stuff portrayed in this way and so that was really like the thing that struck me the most mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is interesting because something I kept thinking about as watching this uh, while I was watching this was how many foreign films we've actually watched in this season? <laughs> Almost all of them. Almost all of them. Like every time <laughs> we're asking people to bring movies to us and they're bringing these foreign movies. I think it speaks to like how she-she they think we are. Like, <laughs> it's only, they could only get us with foreign Ooh, we need films. to impress them. Yeah, like, ooh, what haven't they seen? Well, folks. Um, but it, I, I keep saying, I feel like over and over again in different episodes that foreign films just feel so different because the beats are just mapped a little differently right. than what you would expect. Mm-hmm. But this one I really, and this may be my, you know, the depth of knowledge of, of war films as a genre, but it, it felt similar in a lot of beats where I felt like a lot of other movies mm-hmm. that we've watched haven't because yeah. they're coming from a different cultural lens. But this this really did feel like you had those certain beats to just map onto mm-hmm. I feel like any Vietnam movie would right. be kind of yeah. The, yeah. the one that we remember culturally as being extremely brutal and extremely, you know, a lot of young men, a lot of people mm-hmm. who didn't want to be there and yeah. mm-hmm. didn't find a lot of glory in it. Right. But it, that's a good point, that the, the amplification mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I think the fact that it's so close to home, that's something mm-hmm. you just don't really know. As yeah. an American, we haven't right. had a war close to right. home since the Civil War, which, right. like, Nobody yeah, and, that, and just so. from just because for my own curiosity, after I watched this movie, I was curious about like um, this is morbid a little bit, but I was looking up like casualty totals and yeah, like it's... even in, in Korea now, strictly looking at the American side, for example, like there were thirty six thousand combat deaths in the Korean War, American mm-hmm. combat deaths in Korean War over a three and a half year period. Yeah, from nineteen fifty five to nineteen seventy five, over twenty years there were like 56,000 American deaths in Vietnam. Mm. So that's not a huge difference 
in numbers over the course of like three years versus 20 years. So that kind of gives you like a sense of like just how gnarly it was in yeah. in Korea. Right. And I mean, also, if you look at the total casualties, it was five million. Millions. Five million. And 50% of them were just casualties. They're right. innocent. So mm. if you think about that, like how fast this war happened, because technically it wasn't really over, right? Mm-hmm. It was just kind of this forgotten war that's kind of been ongoing for a while. But in the three and a half years, like, you know, five million people dead, 50% casualties. And also, like, just that kind of shows you, like, how fast things happened and to what big, like, grand scale it happened. If you mm-hmm. even, like, look at Korea on, you know, a map, you see how small mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So for them to go from one end to the other, and you see how, like, you know, just civilians are just being slaughtered left and right. Um, yeah, it's really sad if you think about it that yeah. way. Yeah. It's really weird how, like, I, and I'm sure that it's a lot different. Obviously, I'm sure it's a lot different in Korea than it is mm-hmm. here. But, like, in the United States, I mean, even, like, people who are really into history, it's like the Korean War kind of gets treated as, like, a hangover to World War II almost. Right. It's like this thing that happened, like, five years later, mm-hmm. this happens. And even though it's, you know, much smaller area. yeah comparatively lower you know number of casualties Mm -hmm. but it's still like for as many as for as brief a period of time as it occurred it's just like mind-blowing that this that this much damage occurred Mm -hmm. in this tight of an area right and i mean obviously with scale is different but you know looking at the rate of civilian casualties it was actually higher than Mm -hmm. world world war ii or the um the vietnam war Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if you think about it that way like you know a massive number of people died during this war yeah for sure and yeah, and, and none of that is glossed over in this movie, which I think is one of the reasons why it's so effective is because mm-hmm. it doesn't ignore any of those aspects. Like all yeah. of these hardships, it doesn't give a ton of attention to the civilians, but there's a plenty to give you a picture of like, this is what was going on with civilians right. during this time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay, so reviews for this movie, generally positive. Um, seems like very, the only complaints that anybody seems to have is about like, maybe there's like a little bit of overacting or some of like the emotional stuff is played like a little bit too schmaltzy in like the beginning Mm -hmm. or like some of the emotional scenes are a little bit too on the nose with like, because the dialogue sometimes does get a little bit too exposition, you know, like I'm mad at you because you're doing this, like, which is I, 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 the more, like, as I was watching it, I was like, I don't know if that's an accident. I don't know if that's an accident or if that's intentional because that is not uncommon for more right. of like the what I would call like the classic period of like American war movies because mm-hmm. you know American war movies get exported all over the place and I and again I do feel like this movie is kind of a response to that like showing the the Hollywoodification alongside the really rough reality mm-hmm. right. it's also hard to tell when you're reading it most yeah. like yeah. it just it interprets differently if you are reading right. the dialogue mm-hmm. versus like hearing it. hearing it and, and yeah. the quality of the translation might not be that good yeah. I mean like I feel like 50% of the dialogue in this movie was cursor, was like cursing. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I thought that was kind of funny that it didn't translate yeah. into the subtitles. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I mean, kind of back to, you know, kind of the, like the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of it, at least what my impression is, is I think there was a lot of pressure to create a movie that really depicted the Korean War mm-hmm. in its reality. Because if you look at, you know, different war films, you don't really see a lot of Korean War movies, right? Right. Like, and, and it's already known as, like, the Forgotten War, like, yeah. the war that no one really talks about. It wasn't really advertised. Like, even now you don't really learn about it that much. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of pressure to have a movie that really showed the reality of what yeah. the war was like. And so I think that part of it was having these different characters in the background, like, talking and, you know... 
I actually really enjoyed those moments. I thought mm-hmm. it kind of brought it back down to reality. Like it was like more grounding for me mm-hmm. to kind of see people arguing over like little things or talking about like, you know, pulling a picture out of his wife and his mm-hmm. kid mm-hmm. and like, you know, the soldiers kind of like talking about that and stuff like that. I just feel like those are like the, those everyday moments that they needed to have right. to kind of ground the movie. It's almost the least dramatic part because they're just being regular right. people. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. exactly. You know, oh, I can predict the weather. Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, just goofing off. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, are there a lot of Korean war movies made in South Korea that we just don't know about? Like, is it common or is it even a, kind of an anomaly there? So I think with war movies, they there are a lot of war like TV shows, but a lot of them are based way back. Okay, so like they store, yeah. yeah, historic, like back with, with like the different dynasties mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They don't really have, as far as I know, a lot of TV shows or movies about the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so uh, a couple of movies that I thought of that maybe like would pair well with this one. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, you know, I, I think is an unavoidable comparison, mm-hmm. even if even if you don't necessarily share my view that it's a direct response to Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. there are a lot of similarities. I mean, yeah. it, both the movies, you know, the same framework on a surface level, but then, and the level of violence also, but also, but uh, just from the idea of the way it portrays combat as being a chaotic, uh, random thing that can like just abruptly change minute to minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even down to the theme of like trying to save one person in all this, I think was a good comparison. But also, uh, Cold Mountain, the Civil War movie from uh, I think the year right before this, two thousand three. Okay. Um, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, okay. Jude Law, um, American Civil War movie that I felt like reflected a lot of the same themes about an ordinary person being put into a conflict that they don't understand or agree with just because this is what's happening and it's a time when that is all the reason you need to get involved. Um, but, and then also kind of showing like the, the long tendrils of the war affecting people who are not necessarily on the front lines, Mm -hmm. which this movie did effectively, even though it didn't show a lot of that, but cold mountain really gets into that more. So I think that Mm -hmm. that, you know, and just the fact that it is a civil war movie, and so you're dealing again with like a conflict, like where you've got two groups of people from essentially the same country, because the nations of North and South Korea were only divided in like the immediate aftermath of World War II, right? It was like 1945 or 46 yeah. when they were separate, separated as separate countries, right? Um, and so these are people who you know, or East and West Germany for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't think they, you know, they never had an armed conflict against each other, but like that idea of having a country that very recently was one country and now you're two countries and then how the people kind of deal with that. So yeah, those two in particular were either, did either one of you have any other movies in mind that you thought that these, that this might pair well with or kind of make a good companion piece to, to this film? I think those are fair. The, it just, it seems like war movies are split just directly down the middle of either it is a drama or it is an action movie. Mm-hmm. And I right. think anything that's in that drama category is going to be, you're going to find a lot of similarities with this. I think there's a lot of, you know, the same notes getting reiterated versus the action movies where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Force Stand from Navarone that we right, watched. Yeah. It's like, wow, war is an adventure. Let's yeah, go blow exactly. up a bridge. Like, Polar opposite <laughs> portrayals of, of conflict. And like, 
and uh, and of combat in general. Like I, I, the uh, that period of time, again, like I feel like American war movies about, especially about World War Two, are all over the map. Like mm-hmm. from Saving Private Ryan to Forrest Ten from Navarone, there've been a couple of just like straight up comedies about World War Two, which seems absurd when you really think about it. But um, yeah, it's it's like running the the spectrum. And so yeah, if you look at these the two war movies that we have covered on this podcast this movie and Force Time from Navarone, like you could not get two more different movies <laughs> about ostensibly the same subject, mm-hmm, which right. it's, it's so strange how like the whole concept of large scale warfare is interpreted differently <laughs> in the hands of like different creators, like, you know, the writers, the directors, whoever. Right. Um, yeah. So. Just, it seems like war is such a, like, there's so much there to be mined because a lot of people will not experience it in their own lives. But then if you do, there's just so much mental gymnastics you have mm-hmm. to go through to be okay with yeah. basically right. turning all the rules of society upside down. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it's fascinating to me how, like, rich of a subject war can be when at right. its, you know, at its base it's the most kind of barbaric yeah. act that happens <laughs> yeah. Yeah. on mm-hmm. the face of the earth in 2019 and, right. you know, even before so, I mean, yeah. it's the it, like warfare is the ultimate failure of civilization, and this and the way people portray that it shows <laughs> clearly people have very different attitudes about what that entails. You mm-hmm. know, um, now this director, who's again the name I am not going to pronounce correctly. It, <laughs> it, it, okay, Kang Jigyu is that? It's close. Kang Jigyu. Kang Jigyu. Yes. Okay. So he also directed, a couple of years later, um, in 2011, a movie that I've heard of but never seen called My Way, mm-hmm. which is, from my understanding, kind of this weird, like, picaresque story that is based on a true story yes. of a Korean person who, during World War II, who was conscripted by the Japanese, captured by the Russians, conscripted by the Russians, captured by the Germans, and then conscripted by the Germans, and captured by the Americans <laughs> in Normandy at D-Day. So he made his way all the way across Asia and Europe and was eventually captured by Americans at Normandy, um, which is a fascinating story that I've heard the story of. I'd never seen the film, though. And it stars the same lead as this film, yeah. which I think is interesting. Um, were you Are you familiar with this guy's other work? Like, have you seen any of his other films? I feel like I have. Okay. Probably, like, you know, peeking into living room, like, with my, uh, like my mom was watching TV or something. I definitely recognized him um, for this movie, but I can't off the top of my sure. head. Okay. I cannot think of anything. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would be very curious to check out. I, I'd be curious to check out that movie because it seems like a wild story. But also, um, is I, I'd be really interested to see like how his other like more low key kind of films sure. uh, compare to this one in terms of like style and tone and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but as far as this movie is concerned, um, you know, we've been talking about this as, you know, as a war movie, but uh, in when you brought one of your topics that you wanted mm-hmm. to discuss, you discuss it very explicitly as an anti-war movie. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about that and, like, your yeah. views on that. So, I mean, it's a very bold statement to make, right? This is a war movie that's an anti-war movie. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, because, I mean, for me, for, for whenever I watch this movie, I think of how real it is, Mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't glorify anything. Even those moments of glory where the big brother, like Mm -hmm. he feels glorified, he feels like a hero. You see kind of like the power surging through him, like he feels it. But then at the same time, you see what it does to his relationship with his brother. 
and you kind of see like every single time you have this moment of glory there's always negatives right there mm -hmm. so either like you lose yourself to this glory where he even you know doesn't want to write a letter to his mom you know when his little brother's like hey i'm gonna like write a letter like little things like that you kind of notice that it's not this like all fireworks mm -hmm. you know of being a hero it mm -hmm. really isn't there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with it and a lot of weight that's carried on your shoulders. Um, and also I think it really shows how easy it is to kind of get caught up in feeling powerful mm -hmm. and you know, ultimately becoming a killing machine with like no remorse. You know, even scenes where, um, we're a lot of these spoilers, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so even like, you know, scenes where um, like he kills his friend, mm -hmm. right? Who basically was forced to fight for the North Korean army yeah. or he was gonna die. He, I mean, they were like brothers, you know, mm -hmm. but. In that moment, he was so focused on who he wanted to become or who he was becoming that he kind of like lost mm -hmm. sight of all that. Mm -hmm. So I really do think that this movie does a good job of balancing, even in the times that, you know, someone would feel like a hero or yeah. someone would be glorified in that way. Really, they're not. Like, yeah. they're mm -hmm. doing really heinous things to get there. And you see him being called out on it all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's definitely one thing. I think the other thing, too, is that it kind of brings into mind, you know, the whole point of this war really was to unify the nation, right? Mm -hmm. Was to have families come back together after, mm -hmm. like, the previous war. And ultimately, that goal was never achieved in mm -hmm. this. You know, it was just a lot of back and forth, like, every single time that they thought that they were winning and mm -hmm. they were losing. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. kind of why I kind of think it's this anti-warm film. Yeah, and it's... it's the portrayal of the North Koreans, because, yeah, that was, like, the goal was to invade the South and unite Korea. The asterisk there, unite Korea as a communist state. Right. And one thing about this film that is interesting to me is it does portray the conflict as being not pointless, but, you know, bringing out the worst in people, as all wars do, while also showing that the conditions that the North Koreans were imposing were far worse than anything that was going on in South Korea. And it does not portray the North Koreans sympathetically at all. No. It portrays the people that were conscripted sympathetically, mm. but it doesn't portray like the North Korean cause as being even remotely comparable to like what was going on in South Korea. It does not shy away from portraying them as the aggressors. Um, it doesn't make any bones about like, you know, in the scene, there's this really tough scene with, um, the South Korean soldiers finding a yes. village that had been yeah. totally wiped out. And then they find out while they're moving bodies that the bodies have been booby trapped mm -hmm. um, by the North. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, it was, it definitely, this movie totally takes sides while also showing that how like the war was not a, was perhaps like, even though it was a war of self-defense by the South Koreans it was not, entirely like warfare itself is not justified even though in this case it was like the war was for a just cause if that makes more sense well i don't think it was totally totally with south korea because in even the way that like when they come back to seoul just for that brief mm -hmm. period and mm -hmm. essentially the like counter communist right yeah is yeah completely authoritarian yeah. they mm -hmm. are killing people yes. for being suspected communists right There's no yeah official mm -hmm. kind of dealing with that there's no trials there's no yeah nothing the right the um love interest of the older brother is shot or is going to be shot because she's been signing up for rallies so that she can get food so she right. can feed her family like the the way the south koreans are dealing with the threat of communism is 
almost equally, you know, authoritarian as yes. the communists themselves. So I think yeah. it really does like see both sides. Obviously, both our protagonists are South Korean, so we have alliances right, from the yeah. beginning. But right. but there are a lot of moments where you're just like, like what is you know mm-hmm. what's right. the difference between you guys? Then yeah, right. You know, and, these are communist pigs, but and you're shooting exactly. people in the street. Exactly. Totally. And and to that point, and I'm glad you brought that up because like the other thing that I one of the other things that I noticed here was that it does kind of show like that sort of response growing out of the fact that we are now at at war it's like Mm -hmm. the like nobody was nobody in the film like the film doesn't sympathize with like the communist cause Mm. but it also has no and this is again where it kind of departs from the american war movie styles like this movie has no qualms about saying like people on this side of the line were also doing horrendous things to uh, to each other Mm -hmm. and the idea that um the older brother the older brother is such an interesting character to me because he was set up as being this person who had kind of given up on his own dreams and ambitions like he didn't go to school he's like illiterate um and he's working manual labor to support the family but specifically to support the younger brother pursuing an education mm-hmm. the younger brother going to school and it kind of shifts into the older brother taking this opportunity in the war to make something of himself that he would not have been able to do in civilian life or had not yet figured out how to do in civilian life. And so he just happens to find out that he is really good at killing and that he, you know, and as as we mentioned, the storyline being that he leverages that saying that he's trying to help his younger brother, but it becomes increasingly clear that he is doing this because he's good at it and he is becoming, like, hooked on the idea of, like, right. doing this thing that he's good at. Um, I don't even think, like, he's he's looking for the glory of, like, the, uh, the the medals and stuff like that as much as he's looking for something that he is good at. Purpose, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think purpose is the correct word mm-hmm. for that, you know, because I think that, like, he really, first, you know, he's finding purpose in providing for his little brother and his family, and now it's, like, purpose... And like you know, serving his country. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and that's you know, all this is really interesting, also because if you think about it, like you have these horrors on both sides, but you know, who is really right? Like yeah. when you mm-hmm. see, you know, these different characters kind of go at each other. Like there, you see, you know, it's like North Korea versus South Korea, but really, I feel like they're all the same. And yeah. I do think that this movie does a good job of doing that. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it, it's it does portray it as like a war that begins as like a war of self-defense that turns into a war of attrition right right and i mean also we can't forget you know that after the the previous war you know korea was split Mm -hmm. to be under two you know rulers or you know basically under different countries like control Mm -hmm. so if you think about that too it's like it makes me wonder okay like how many of these north koreans were actually communists were they forced to be in this Mm -hmm. and forced to fight in the war Mm -hmm. that's like another like key thing that um that i want to point out you know is that it really isn't the way that I view it is not really the North Koreans versus the South Koreans. It's really just how the situation happened, and yeah. they're kind of forced to fight for whatever side they landed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of morbid yeah. and tragic. But yeah, 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 it's true. And then, of course, is like as we see over the course of the movie, it's like things get more complicated when other countries start coming in. Like right. when they hear that the American Marines landed at Incheon, they're like, "Great, this will all be over in like a couple of weeks now because mm-hmm. we got the Americans inside." Well, then the Chinese get involved, mm-hmm. right? And so it becomes as much a war between the United States and China as it is between North and South Korea. 
and you know neither of whom have a direct stake in the outcome and so that kind of changed that throws off the balance of you know what you know what people are going to do and how the whole war is going to be conducted and all that kind of stuff so it's yeah it and yeah and then showing all of that from the very focused point of view was really effective uh in my opinion by making it you know showing what it what do the people on the ground think about the bigger picture stuff Mm -hmm. like we're learning about the bigger picture stuff but what do the people on the ground actually think about it and how they're responding to it And most of the people are responding very positively to the fact that, oh, the Americans are here. Let's keep, let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's keep going. Let's push all the way to China. Let's do this thing. Right. It's, uh, yeah. The imperial through line of, you know, Russia and China's influence and America's influence right. is there. But I, I think, yeah, I'm glad they kept it so focused that it's not, mm-hmm. I, I think, American war movies, of course. And we talked about this, I think, with Darkest Hour, too. is like, we are so used to the American version of these stories because, mm-hmm. of course, we are always involved. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing kind of I was doing the same like kind of googling alongside of like okay so what was happening and like how long did this go on (laughs) when did that happen like and seeing like yeah this really this was essentially a direct parallel to what Mm -hmm. was going on in Germany but of course Mm -hmm. ends much differently and American influence was there the whole time of course America showed up they were part of why they were separate in the first Mm -hmm. place but yeah keeping it in like Okay, so these are the people who are actually fighting it out. Yeah. though. these are the people who have to right. deal with the casualties. But yeah, it's it, the, uh, the 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 one part of it that I did think was a little bit uh, one of the parts that I thought was a little bit over the top mm-hmm. was that when you look up these different conflicts that they're involved in, they're essentially at the site. These two brothers, just by coincidence, are at the site of every major battle of the Korean War. Mm. From, you know, from the Busan perimeter to the, basically everywhere except the landing in Incheon. And like, you know, like the, basically everything that was not uh, the Americans involved with. And That's up right, right up to the end. He was. He was. Yeah. Right he was where he right there. It was exactly. almost like as like I used to play like a lot of World War II video games where it's like, oh, now you're at D Day. Now you're at the Battle of the Bulge. Now you're. It's like okay, cool. Just like respawn where you exactly. Are. Like you're you're every every level is a different major battle of the war. It's like oh, you've been everywhere. Great. Um, but that that makes me like wonder because if you consider the size of Korea, mm-hmm. right? Like how long would it take on foot to go from let's say, Busan to Daegu or to Seoul. Like, how mm-hmm. long yeah. would that actually take? Because mm-hmm. if you look at other wars, like, on the grand scale, you know, they're traveling so much more distant. Yeah. Right? So would this be, like, realistic? Because if it starts in June, mm-hmm. right, then it skips over to, what, uh, July and then December mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the following March. Like, mm-hmm. then I wonder, okay, if they had, let's say that they have a month or two in between these big battles scenes like that they showed yeah. the mm-hmm. would that be realistic enough of a time for them to actually get there I mean I I mean cause okay so North and South Korea together is approximately how big like the size of well, uh, I think <laughs> we're doing a quick Google let's yes. see Google Maps tell me ah no too close because it's not it's like it's not it's not like Westeros right it's not like Game of Thrones <laughs> where they're like oh now I'm in we talked about this I, I can't remember <laughs> If I talk to both of you about this, but like you know, the way they travel, it's like the equivalent of like, oh, oh I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna walk from Panama to Buenos Aires in three days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You can't, you can't map things in North Korea. They will not give you directions. <laughs> um, I know see. that like I've seen things where they'll take uh, like a cutout of South Korea, yeah. and place them over the different states in the mm-hmm. U.S. Mm-hmm. and kind of show. Yeah, the like realistic size. maps. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. Let's see. So, oh, come on. 
Well, okay, so Japan is approximately the size of California from tip to tip, I believe. So North and South okay. Korea together is probably, what, a third of that approximately? Yeah. About a third of that? Okay. Because I want to say, like, the last time I saw, like, an overlay of South Korea over a state, I remember thinking, oh, wow, that's really, really small. Yeah. So, like, let's say it's approximately the size of Georgia. Let's say that North okay. and South Korea together mm-hmm. are approximately the size of Georgia. Right. I mean, if you look at some of, like, the Civil War battles where, like, they didn't have trucks or anything like uh-huh. that and they were marching on foot, yeah, I can see that making a pretty good distance in a couple of months. Right. But... I, I, you know, maybe there were certain units in the South Korean army that were at every major battle and from 50 to 51. Too. I don't know. Right, because, like, I don't really know much about war talk. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, you know, the commands that they give. But even when you look at, like, you know, they would give these announcements, like, okay, like, this team, whatever, is going here. Yeah. Or this battalion is going here. Like, I wonder if some of them, the way that they were, you know, like distributed mm-hmm. like i feel like that team because they were doing so well it kind of sounded like from the yeah, that, could be. that that were happening that they were the ones being sent to the front line and i think mm-hmm. at one point even they said you know we are the front line like we are that that crew you know like that yeah. group mm-hmm. of soldiers that are, are going to do this so maybe they were the ones it's, that were sent in now that you mentioned i actually did watch an episode of band of brothers last night afterward just mm-hmm. as like for comparison's sake <laughs> and there's like a moment in the episode that i happen to watch where someone mentions like how come every time we're in action we're either on the and this is all based on a true story as well yeah. like this guy is saying like how come every time we're in action we're either on the far front or on an unprotected edge it's like we're the fifth platoon or we're like the fifth company of nine and we're never in the middle. We're in the middle alphabetically, but we're never in the middle geographically. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, I guess maybe some people are like, you know, just kind of always put out on the edge or whatever for whatever right. reason. So yeah. I guess it's not completely unrealistic. It just struck me as, you know, <laughs> uh, chess very out. Checkers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyhow, yeah. Um, just to close the loop, apparently yes. Korea is about the size of Minnesota, both territories ah. together. Wow. Okay. If you're familiar with the size of Minnesota, sure. that's how. So maybe a little big, a little bigger than Georgia, maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Huh. That's a good. Maybe about a third bigger than Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So that does kind of like clarify it a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, again, one of the things that I've been kind of looking at here was you know I've got a much greater familiarity with American war movies like you know I've consumed dozens of them over the years. <laughs> Um, and at the beginning of this one, I was really struck by how the pre-war period was portrayed. Like, they always do this, in any war movie that portrays, like, the pre-war period, it's always kind of portrayed as, like, this idea, like, this mm. idyllic time, partly because of the way things actually were, partly because these are naive young people that don't mm-hmm. really understand the ways of the world. But this one was so schmaltzy and <laughs> so saccharine in terms of, like, the way the brothers were interacting. Like, mm-hmm. they were teenagers, right? They were, like, 18 and 20, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they were acting as though they were 8 and 10. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the way they were interacting with each other was so much like a, the young, plucky young kids kind of tropes. Mm-hmm. And I was really like, oh, man, is this the way the whole movie's gonna be? But then the pendulum swings so far. And like I said at the beginning, like, the extremes, like, it shows the the pre-war idyllic period yeah. to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Right. But then it shows the active combat to an extreme and the mm-hmm. can, the, ne- the bad conditions to an extreme um, and that was so jarring in a way that was really effective I'm assuming that was done on purpose yeah. and it's just like because the dialogue itself is really what took me out and I'm chalking that up to bad translation yeah. but mm-hmm. it just the way it, it sh- right. the shift is so strong right, and I've never right. seen that in any American war movie I mean, before two things 
one thing I think that is that a lot of Korean drama movies are very over the top. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see that here with like that swelling orchestral music mm. playing in the background mm -hmm. of every single scene. And it like really makes it extremely dramatic. Mm. But then the other thing too was that a part of it I think is maybe like romanticizing those good times of mm -hmm. in the flashback, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Because the entire movie essentially is a flashback right. of everything. It's, mm -hmm. it's retelling the story through your head. And so when you see those stark contrasts with, you know, all these happy times with his family, even though, you know, they were poor versus the war where everything was so brutal. I mm -hmm. think a part of it was like he was like romanticizing it. Yeah. Mm, that's a good point. Thinking about it, like there really is a narrator who's telling oh, yeah. the story, yeah, but we never yeah. see it. I, yeah. I did think at the beginning, I thought the brothers hadn't seen each other for a long time because it was so like, oh my God, let me buy yeah. you ice cream. Like, yeah. And he's like chasing him through the streets and they're like hugging and like, and right. I was like, oh wait, the, they probably have like mm -hmm. seen each other every day. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. he's in school in, yeah. the, in the town. But yeah. I mean, interesting point there too is that it just kind of brought me back to, you know, how when they were walking back to see their mom, you know, they're mm. like holding hands. Like mm -hmm. in Korean culture, that's a very prominent thing. Like showing that like brotherhoods, friends, like all of that, like it's very, very like important that the older sibling or the older brother, older sister, whatever, like takes care of like mm. the younger one. That's kind of in, like really engraved into the culture. So I think that's kind of part of it. And mm -hmm. we don't really see that theme happening a lot in like American movies, but in Korea, like, that's so part of the culture that mm -hmm. I think that's kind of why, you know, they kind of let them in there. So mm -hmm. even, with, even with him, you know, buying his little brother a pen or buying him like a popsicle, like that's pretty normal mm -hmm. for what you would see in, you know, just walking the streets mm -hmm. of Korea. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it's interesting because like, Kari, as you mentioned, we've had a lot of foreign films this season and um, it's every time we do a foreign film like this, it's it really draws into focus the idea of like, you see some of these movies and it's like when we did the lure, there was a lot of Polish stuff in there mm -hmm, that probably mm -hmm. makes a lot more, the movie makes a lot more sense probably if you are familiar with the Polish culture. Right, right. Whereas the, in this movie, same thing. If you're more familiar with Korean culture, a lot of stuff is probably going to make a lot more sense. But it, it's, it, that's one of the things I like about watching some foreign movies that yeah. aren't necessarily intended for international mm -hmm. audiences. Right. Is it gives you a really, it, it, it really gives you that kind of authenticity mm -hmm. of what, not only the time period necessarily, you're not getting just a view into a different time period, you're getting a view into a different culture that you just don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, uh, Oslo, August 31st was the same way where it's like, that's a contemporary movie, but it's still a lot of the kind of stuff that's going on. It's like as much a look into this whole different society that you don't have firsthand knowledge of right. as it is about these people's stories and experiences. Right. So, so that, you know, translating that, trying to trying to draw that out of like, yeah. what what of this is, and, mm -hmm. but even with that in mind for uh, this film, how much of it still comes across as being just immediately identifiable and recognizable. Yeah, right. totally. I actually have a question for you guys about yeah. that. So in the opening scene, so present day, mm -hmm. you see um, after they've dug up, you know, a lot of the fallen soldiers, they have, it kind of is a shot from the back mm -hmm. and you see the entire crowd bow and have a prayer mm -hmm. and bow again. And then it cuts to the flashback where they're basically, the two brothers are in the, um, in the inside the house, like in the room. Oh, yeah. And then the sister comes in and they're speaking to their father, mm -hmm. but, his, but their father is dead. Like, what do you guys think of that? Because that's like a very traditional Korean custom that we do for the fallen or, or for the dead is that mm -hmm. we honor them through something that, that we call chesa. And so I was like curious as to like your first kind of impressions of what that was. Like how mm. would you react to that? 
or how did you react to that? That was one of, like, what you're saying, Kyle, about watching movies from a different culture. There's so much you have to parse if it's, like, a stylistic choice or a just a cultural thing that is foreign mm-hmm. to us as the viewer. Mm-hmm. That was easily easy to see, like, okay, this is, this is a cultural thing that, mm-hmm. you know, obviously everyone's partaking, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, some of my best friends from college are Korean, so I have a little bit of experience just mm-hmm. with their families. Um, and so there was, that was one of the easier things to say, like, Okay. Yeah. This is like, and it actually made me think of if we had a similar situation, of course, like honor and respect Mm -hmm. to fallen, to, you know, the dead, especially fallen soldiers is a big deal. But like, how would we as Americans deal with that differently? Obviously, like the bowing custom is very specific, Mm -hmm. but like, would, would there even be a prayer? Would we have a moment of silence or yeah. would it be more of a like this is a scientific dig like do what you got to do these are humans but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it just made me think about how we would have yeah. dealt with it differently the i feel like that didn't really it didn't really give me pause i didn't really have to like stop and think about that too much because okay. it made it made sense to me mm-hmm. because i am you know i've got a passing familiarity with like cultures of like east asian countries mm-hmm. being do like issuing that kind of like uh very formal respect to mm. family members elders mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, I do think that's something that has similar analogs in American culture today, because I do think that there, like, in broader American culture, there is a, um, not just a respect for, like, the military and for elders, but, like, especially for, like, the past generations, like, the whole greatest generation thing, right, mm-hmm. with, like, World War II, like, the generation that, like, fought World War II mm-hmm. being popularly known as greatest generation, but... I think that in a lot of American households, you will probably see um, some mementos on display of family members who have been in the service. Mm-hmm. And it may not be as, like, codified in terms of, like, formal, like, you know, addressing the memory of uh, of someone who's deceased and who was, like, a veteran or something like mm-hmm. that. But you do see in a lot of homes, you'll see, like, the folded flags, you'll see, like military portraits you'll see it like you'll see those mementos still in people's homes in the united states it's just like not as active of like a a, a, of a communication i suppose Mm -hmm. but i think that's just the way it it, the difference between the way americans and people in for example south korea deal you know interact with like the deceased yeah right right Right. that is an interesting point i lost both my grandparents this year from one side i still have two living respect um (laughs) but i the stuff that I took from their house were portraits of my grandpa in the Navy, um, his like police medals, and then a portrait of my grandma when she was younger too. And it's, yeah, it's, it's less formalized. Like there's no place for me to put those. There's no way for me to be like, this is what I do, but it's just, those are the things I think you're right. We choose to keep, Mm -hmm. but we just don't have maybe the ritualized side as a culture that we, of how we deal with them. Right. Right. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, I think that, you know, just Americans in general, it's like after the after the funeral service, there was kind of like an intentional kind of like separation. Whereas I think that, you know, Anastasia, you and I watched The Farewell, which, mm-hmm. you know, dealt which has a scene at a at a cemetery where just like yeah. the whole family goes to the cemetery to pay respects many right. years after that person has passed away. Right. And so I just think that that that, that specific interaction is different, mm-hmm. but the idea is still very much there. Like people keeping like these 
these uh, these mementos present in their homes and visible in their homes is definitely something that I think connects with Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, for that that specific scene, I didn't have any. I, I it made it made sense to me. Yeah. Um, I think that the part that really stuck uh, stuck out to me was kind of like the way they portrayed the excavation of the battlefield, because um, there were. It, what I gathered was that like they were excavating this battlefield to construct a war memorial or something like that. I believe so, yeah. And so the way they were excavating it, it was it was portrayed almost more like a scene out of like the beginning of Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's which was yeah. really strange yeah. because it's like they're digging up these bones in a very like clinical and kind of like yeah. it's not portrayed in any kind of like overly reverent way, which I thought right. was really interesting. I also thought it was interesting when he made the column was like, Hey, we found some remains of and so I, I need to go back and rewatch that moment but did they say his name so they say like um we found oh no i'm like so far from well they said something about like like, we found these remains it's got your name connected to it but obviously we're still talking to it yeah is so they're talking to lee jinsook and they say we found the remains of lee jinsook and he's Mm -hmm. like because I was thinking of the older well, brother. I think I think the whole thing was the, the pen. pen. Okay. So the yeah. pen had his name engraved. Yeah. And it had had um, the younger brother's name mm. engraved on it. So I think that was right. identifying things yes. for that yeah. for the remains there. Because they right. were like, oh, because when they were well, looking him up, when they looked him up, they're like, oh, he's still alive. Let's yeah. call him. And then yeah. like, we yeah. think this is you, but obviously it's not you. It must be somebody else. Must have been a mistake. Sorry. Right. That's what was confusing. And maybe it was the translation mm-hmm. more than cultural, but yeah. like that he was just like, "Hey, like we found <laughs> your remains," and he's like, "Are you sure it wasn't my brother?" And he's like, "No, but like, sorry, must have been a mistake. Goodbye." <laughs> like that seems like a really yeah. like heavy right. call to yeah. be making. And be like, "Whoops, must have messed up." Bye. Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. it's like no spoilers for Saving Private Ryan because Kari, again, I know you haven't seen this, but like even that seemed like. <laughs> Plucked from. We should almost do like a very quick recap after we've seen Saving Private Ryan yeah, for this movie. I thought about that. Yeah. Um, but like, there's a fake out in both of them. They have got the same framing device of having an old person interacting with like a war battlefield mm-hmm. or a war cemetery, and there's a fake out of who the identity of that old person mm-hmm. is because it makes you think it's one person when it's actually somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's not a huge spoiler, but it is like a thing that I thought like this again, making me think that this movie was in large part a response to. The success of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, one thing that we haven't really talked about yet was like, and we're pretty close to time, but like one thing we haven't really talked about is the um, the way that this movie portrays like the whole, the uh, the conscription process, which is basically mm. just like, you're under 30, come with me. Yeah. Which is way different than I think that it's ever been here, at least since the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, the immediacy of just like, if you're between 18 and 30, you need to get on this train. Yeah. Right. Um, and like in a public space. Like, yeah. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Who's in? Yeah. They said like, oh, they're only supposed to take one son one per family. family. Yeah. But like, were they How even checking? Yeah. They were just mm-hmm. kind of grabbing yeah. boys and put them I think on trains. Like, so. so frantic. Yeah. Right? It was like, oh, we've been invaded. Like, yeah. We need to get together now. Mm-hmm. You know. And yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of see themes of that kind of resounding into our present day now. Like the U.S. Mm-hmm. still keeps troops in South Korea in case there is any mm-hmm. sort of invasion. Like. Even now, South Koreans, the second you turn 18, you have to go in, into yeah. the army. Mm-hmm. Like, that is mandatory for all Korean citizens. So if you kind of think about, like, the implications of that, it's almost as if, like, you know, they really just were not ready. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens so quickly, and all they could do is, like, just grab every single person that they could yeah. to fight. Yeah. It made me wonder, too, and the, the kind of difference they show between um, the older brother and his fiancée 
when they're getting invaded and she's like we need to take everything we have mm-hmm. to go and he's like we're going to be back tomorrow yeah right like where if that had happened if that happened to us right now mm-hmm. i think a lot of people would think like we're going to be back like this right. is fine right. they're right. going to figure it out we'll be back very soon mm-hmm. but living in south korea at the time where where most people's heads would be at if, is yeah. this like oh my god we knew this was going to happen or is this like a, there's and, no and way we're going to be gone for a long time. That's another one of those kind of like war movie cliches is like every time like the war breaks out, people are like, it'll be over in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but like, I think that that is very true to life because I think nobody yeah. ever thinks that it's going to be that bad where I am currently. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't happen here. Right. And it's it like, to me. that's the narrative for the civil war. That's the narrative for the right, first world war. Right. And that's the narrative for Korea. It's mm-hmm. like, that's then the kind of like, the dominant narrative anytime there has been like some kind of like an invasion and people just get like really hot blooded really fast and then it's just like no we'll, we'll not come back to the stone age in like a couple of weeks and we'll be back <laughs> home in no time and that's never the way it goes but I think people still think that when they're in like a place that is under invasion or military occupation or whatever right and doing research on this as we were watching essentially it sounds like the war ended because the U.S. was close to winning and China was like, we will fight you. Like, we will come to the U.S. and fight you if, yeah. if you yeah. keep going. And the how close this became, this mm-hmm. came to being a, world war a global yeah. conflict. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think wild. about it, too, it's, it's interesting that it wasn't a world war because I think yeah. it was, yeah. what, 16 countries? Yeah, the, well, it was the United Nations. It was, like, the United yeah. Nations' first, yeah. like, active military right. peacekeeping, quote-unquote, right. engagement. And then, like, you know, President Truman, his whole thing was that he was like, you know, I don't want... Like, I think he saw it more as a battle against communism. Mm-hmm. So for him, it wasn't really necessarily, oh, we want to help out the right. Koreans. It's, oh, if they take over South Korea, that means that they become that much powerful. Mm-hmm. Then right. they're going to go after Japan. Right. You know, then after that, it becomes this whole communist, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. war. So they, And after, you know, they just got out of mm-hmm. war, like, they didn't want another one. Yeah. Which And that's exactly right. And, like, with... And that was a very, and because of the freshness of the Second World War at the mm-hmm. time, that was a very valid concern because right. there was this scramble. That's the reason why Korea was split. That's the yes. reason why Germany was split. Yep. So it was a very valid concern that the Russians, like supporting these other countries, were mm-hmm. going to continue trying to push as far as they could. And this, this was the first time of many that communist expansion was happening in some country. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was that, like, well, if we don't stop it here, who knows when it's going to stop itself? Right. Because there was, you know, based on the research that I've done, like, you know, like you said, it's not a matter of wanting to help this poor country that's mm-hmm. under attack. It was more a matter of, like, well, we have to stop it somewhere. Yeah. Um, and just where that went. Um, like, the whole story, from the, the high-level story of, like, the Korean War, from that, from that perspective, is really interesting too because mm-hmm. like the Russians were involved but they had to keep their involvement a secret like yeah. they were they said they were supplying weapons and, and airplanes but they were also supplying like pilots and so mm-hmm. like there's this weird thing about how like neither the Russians nor the Americans wanted to go into a shooting war with each other because yeah. that would have been World War Three, yes. mm-hmm. and the Russians knew it and they were the ones that exercised the restraint of not openly going into mm-hmm. warfare mm-hmm. It, it's so weird and interesting <laughs> and awful but also just like something that it's, when you look at it, it is shocking how like this seemingly small conflict in the global scale could have just erupted and gone completely out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, with your war history knowledge, why why do you think it is that Vietnam is so much larger in American cultural, mm-hmm. you know, knowledge, yeah. memory, however you want to call it, uh, versus the Korean War? I mean, obviously Vietnam was 
dragged on for much longer yeah. as far as America is concerned. And it was slightly yeah. more recent. But is that it? I think it's a combination of the fact that it ran for so long. There was no clear objective. Mm-hmm. That uh, Vietnam is where we get the term mission creep, mm-hmm. which is where you've got a poorly... And like that has been translated into the corporate world as project creep. Scope. Exactly. No, seriously. Like that it started so in, it's, it's, it became codified in Vietnam where it's like, you've got a poorly uh, identified objective. And so as you go on, the scope of that objective gets out of control. Mm. And so it becomes an un, not, not an unwinnable war as much as like an unachievable objective because there is no speci- specificity to the objective. Um, TV also was a huge factor in Vietnam where like people were actually seeing every night combat footage where in the past it was like this censored, like every week you go to the movie theater, you see a five minute newsreel. This was the nightly news. Every single day you see footage of people being killed and you're like, this isn't good. Culture in America was changed. There's a lot of different things happening where like the Korean war was just like, it was a quick thing. It was intense. It was bloody, but it was also over relatively quickly. Um, in, in comparison to the Vietnam conflict. Mm-hmm. So I'm not an expert on the subject, but those are like the main things that like mm-hmm. just happened around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Bringing it back to the movie just real quick. Yes, we are getting close <laughs> please, to time. let's do it. But uh, I felt less and less sympathetic with the younger brother. I guess towards, I mean, obviously at the end, actually, no, I think I felt less and less sympathetic with the younger brother towards the end. Am I alone in that? Well, I way. Well, I thought the the older brother's objectives were clear. Like you were saying, like he went in solely to protect his younger brother. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that most of his adult life, most of his life in general, probably has been protecting and providing for yeah. his younger brother. Their their father had died. Their younger brother was the one who was going to school and going to go to college, and and he had accepted that, and he was really the man of the house. Mm-hmm. And so he is doing that in really extreme circumstances mm-hmm. and also doing it well, which the goalposts are moved in war. Like, yeah. I, it's yeah. not yeah. good. It's not okay. Yep. But he was doing his job to mm-hmm. the best of his mm-hmm. ability. And I felt like the younger brother was, I just did not give him an inch. Like, yeah. it, it just seemed, it seemed childish that he was like, so upset at how yeah. uh, what his brother was doing when his brother was doing what he had always done for his little brother right, so right. like okay if you want to be an adult you can be an adult but mm-hmm. i'm doing this so you can go home just like i've done everything so you can have right. this life which he right. never the older brother we never saw a moment of him saying like i could have gone to school like it could have right, been me like he right. never yeah. it, it didn't ever take that angle Mm-hmm. So it just, I don't, I just, I wasn't totally unsympathetic with him. I mean, yeah. obviously the older brother goes off the rails. Honestly, not really, you know, he's in war. Like he's seen some really horrible stuff just like all of them had. Mm-hmm. But I, I, some of the moments at the end where the brother was like, really, when they were separating, I was like, you are so unsympathetic to what he's doing. <laughs> like, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I understand some of that. I think that a big part of it was probably like, he had this idea of what his big brother was to him mm. and he wanted to hold on to this past because I mean he had no training he was not good at this you know like you see him scrambling and basically every battle scene until the mm-hmm. very very end when he's looking for his brother you know at the very very end yeah. um other than that he's mostly just scrambling and being protected by others so if you think about like you know I think he I think he wanted to feel like more connected to his brother in a way and I think with everything being so jarring and him being kind of ripped away from everything he's ever done, 
and he's definitely not made out to be a soldier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's he wasn't cut off for that. So I think, like, seeing his brother kind of turn into, you know, a really good soldier, I guess you could say, um, I think he felt, like, helpless in that moment, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, like, he felt like not only was he losing you know, his, maybe his own, like, value and who he was and, like, losing and being, like, okay, like, am I ever going to get back to this? Am I ever going to get back to, like, my family, like, my mom and all that? Seeing his brother kind of drift away like that, I think he took it really hard. And I think a big part of it is because he relied on his brother so much, mm-hmm. you know. But then there are moments where um, where I think he has these high expectations because I think before he was, like, my brother can do no wrong. Mm. So when his older brother is, you know, doing things like, you know, like, basically uh, when their friend, um, uh, Youngsook, I think is was his name. It was, like, oh, their younger. brother when they were, yeah, when they were, oh, like, younger. Oh, and then yeah, he basically was forced to become, like, uh, to, right. to fight for, like, the North Korean army. Like, even his interaction with him calling him... I don't know if it translated this properly, but basically calling him like an animal, like a dog oh, animal, yeah. and um, it was all in curse words. Um, and so he was calling him all these names, being like, "You, I don't know you. Like you're not who you know. We have no connection." And so I think like little moments like that pushed him even further to disconnecting with his brother. So I think for him, it's like he really wanted his brother to really prove that he was this caring, this could never kill anyone, could never harm anyone kind of person, and kind of seeing his reality being ripped away from him, not just around him, but with the person that he, he relied on the most, I think, really influenced the way he treated his older brother. You know, mm-hmm. like, how sympathetic he could find it in his heart to be. Which, yeah. but I, I totally understand, like, it's, uh, at times you're a little bit like, this is the reality of the situation, so get behind it. But at the same time, you know, I think that he was struggling with a lot of things that he just was not equipped to, you know, to deal with. Totally. And I don't think, I don't think the older brother is, he has some really dark moments. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's a story in there about the younger brother just becoming an adult where he didn't yeah. have to. But yeah, that's just there were some moments yeah. where I was like, I don't think I agree with you. Well, like, he, like, you give him a break. Down. He yeah. did. He, okay. He he did experience a miraculous recovery from whatever heart condition he had because he had one episode <laughs> and for the rest of the war it seemed like a non-issue. Yeah. Um, but also like I, Kari, I kind of see I see where you're coming from. I didn't think that like on my own at the time, mm. but like I can definitely see where you're coming from. Although he does have a good kind of a point. Like when he confronts his brother about like you're not doing this for me, you're doing this for you. And on top of that, like that's like I bought that like I like the older brother was definitely in denial about his motives after a while sure. however but also like not everything has to be for you yeah, like, exactly. I'm doing literally everything I possibly can for you let and me also have my job for you yeah. Yeah. I'm doing this so you can go home yeah but also, what are like, you doing I felt like I felt like what the younger brother was getting at also was just the like the the idea that you volunteering to go into like suicide missions and stuff is not helping the family. Mm-hmm. You're trying to save my life so that I can go home and not be killed, but you're putting your life on the line and then we could just both be killed. Like yeah. what you're doing is not, it's not a, it's not an effective plan. This is not a good, right. you're not achieving your ends very well. I mean, well. I think it's like some moments where he gets just caught up in the moment of being yeah. like, I'm, so even when he captured that one captain, which got him the mm-hmm. medal, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like the honorable medal, I mm-hmm. what right. call, right? I thought they were calling it a medal of honor too. They were calling it a bit of weird. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like even in that moment, you know, his brother was like, we don't, we don't have to do this. So like mm-hmm. even like, you know, their soldier mates, well, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them, platoon mates, like, even they're just like, we don't have to do this. Like, there's another mm-hmm. team that's on it. But for him, I think, in those moments, it's like, oh, no, I have to do this. So he mm-hmm. gets caught up in those moments. And I think those are, like, the moments where 
the break is really happening. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's yeah. really like there's no coming back from this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a sidebar about that. Like, there was that one scene early on where maybe, again, maybe this is a translation issue, but there seemed to be, like, this moment in, like, the first major, like, battle where uh, the older brother essentially convinces the sergeant to be like, let's just go attack. Let's just go attack. Yeah. Let's go attack right now. We'll attack, and they'll, they'll never see it coming. And I was like, that's an... That's a real Edmure Tully move. Like you, that's the thing that you you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to wait for somebody else to tell you to do that because if you just do it when you want to, you end up creating more pro. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it was. Is this a scene bad move. where the guy who had been hurt like ended up shooting everyone and killing himself? That happened like right after. Right after or right? No, it was right. right that that was right before. Which, by the yeah. way, that was like I, yeah that um that was right before because he ended up like shooting up the camp mm-hmm. and then killing himself. And then, like, after that, because they're all, like, starving to death. Yeah. And because they're starving, they're like, let's just go and do yeah, it. Right. I, mean, I think at that point, like, they said, you know, either we stay here and we get killed tomorrow or we're going to mm-hmm. starve to death yep. or we're going to freeze to death. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's going to be those. So either mm-hmm. we, we're going to stay here we're going to die anyways. We mm-hmm. can't retreat. Yeah. You know, so are we just going to stay here to die or have someone else right. go insane and, yeah. like, kill us or shoot us up? Or, like, the older brother was like, let's just go ahead and... Attack them when they're right. not going to be expecting yeah. it. It's the and best chance we have. Exactly, like, exactly. Every other option results in death. This one at least. <laughs> right, no. I, we yeah. know what we're going into. Yeah, I understood exactly. it. I understood it. I, I would have done the same thing in their position, but at the same time, I recognize that this is not the kind of behavior that gets rewarded by the senior leadership, usually. <laughs> um, it did make me wonder, minor nitpick. This is a war thing in general, I think, but it makes me wonder if at a certain point within war that it's just kind of the wild west of because like the younger brother was like okay he hops on a car <laughs> yeah. goes to the front lines like mm-hmm. who's checking who's getting in this car like right, where are the right, it just right. seems like at some point there's no yeah there's no guidebook they're just like let's attack okay the yeah. commander's into yeah. it let's do it like exactly yeah. <sighs> yeah um but yeah i think that's gonna pretty much bring us to the end before we completely wrap up um Anastasia, any um, any any other things that we haven't mentioned? Any other like favorite scenes? I know that like favorite is kind of a weird word to describe mm-hmm. most of this movie, but like right. anything that like really stands out when you think about this movie. Any scenes that you think of that we haven't really talked about? Um, I think that I mean I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I think the more I watch it, the more I really hold on to like the mundane moments, Mm. like the moments where just like, you know, they're just talking or like, even if they have like a quick flashback to something, like, I don't know, for me, like that, those little moments in there make it more of a real movie to me, like, Mm -hmm. or like more connected to it. Mm -hmm. So instead of just seeing, you know, battle scenes and just killing, you know, just like gunshots and rockets and whatever everywhere, like you kind of get these moments of like realizing that these are real people and Mm -hmm. I think that that's one thing that this film does a really good job about is that they really focus in on the characters, you know, so you kind of see, and obviously, like, I'm sure you guys didn't really pick up on this, but in one of the earlier scenes when the soldiers are going around, like, introducing themselves, Mm -hmm. they all have different Korean accents, and so I thought that was really interesting because it really shows, like, how many different Koreans, you know, from different parts are kind of just all, they're just kind Mm -hmm. of thrown together. It's it's interesting, okay, I'm... I, that doesn't surprise me. I obviously didn't pick up on that, but I, I was don't, like, but, "What are you about?" I don't but no, but no, it. but no, that, that doesn't surprise me because in every American war movie of like, you know, you've always got like, like, you know, I'm the I'm the hotshot from Texas, and I'm the city boy from Boston, and I'm the this is the guy from California, and the, it's like you have that scene, and like this is like, yeah, I'm the 
I'm the uh, I'm the young country kid who can't eat, can't stop eating, and I'm the right, old guy who's probably right. too old to be here, and I'm the and I'm the guy who just hates commies, and it's like yeah, it, like they have that scene in every American that war one, movie. That's the moment where I was like, oh okay, this like this really maps. Yeah, it was like here's the really young kid. Like, is he even old enough to be here? Here's the right. old guy. Here's the guy who's just like yeah, I'm gonna shoot them all. I'm right. here to be a hero. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which yeah. I kind of loved that scene because I was like, yeah, this is, I guess this just happens everywhere, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> what were they eating? Do you guys know? Rice. So was it rice? I think it was like, it, it looked, looked like a ball like, of oatmeal or something. Yeah, I think it was probably a mix of barley and rice because oh, barley right. is really, really big in Korea. Mm. Okay. So I think that it was a mix of barley and rice kind of rolled together. Just in a big mm-hmm. popcorn yeah. ball. Also, like, kind of mm-hmm. like a funny moment, but like when they're eating and then they get attacked. Sorry, that's not a funny part. But okay, so when they get attacked, you see one of the soldiers. You know, because they were just told, you know, you better hold on to this. Like oh. maybe last minute, like, oh, yeah. yeah, and it and falls to the ground, and you see him. There's like, you he's know, like brushing the dirt off yeah, of the like, rice. Yeah, around, and he's like, no, 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 I need this ball of rice. Yeah. And he like dusts it off, and that, then puts like the next thing. I found that hilarious. Like that, that, was, that was kind of funny. That was like that was like funny, sad because it's like yeah. he probably isn't gonna get any more food for a while. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was like moments like that. I think that like I really, really liked about yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big as you know, I don't really like seeing gore yeah. and blood and all that. But yeah, I think scenes like that really made it more real for me. Mm. And like, I'll yeah. be able to, you know, relate to it like a little bit more. Yeah. And, I, and again, like I, I, I mentioned this earlier, so just briefly, like I, the fact that it swings from like the extreme schmaltzy, like idealized memory, because again, that was something I hadn't really thought about, but as, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like the memory thing, um, you know, recalling the old days in like a fond light, um, and swinging extru- like way, way down to like the most brutal violence that you will ever see in like war movies, um, was really a lot more effective than like some of these war movies that are just like wall to wall violence because right. then you get desensitized early. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean other things like the 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 military from the military like just the war movie angle. This movie shows there's one scene, like, once the Chinese are involved, because you see these skirmishes and these battles with, like, North Korean soldiers and stuff. There's one scene in particular toward the end where you see, like, what is commonly known as the Chinese human wave, where there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of Mm -hmm. soldiers literally just bum-rushing the line. And that's something that I heard about, and that was the one that really kind of gave me chills, because that's something I'd never seen before. Every other other battle scene felt like something I had kind of seen before. That felt different, and that felt scary in the immediate sense. So you can really see, like, how vast, how great that army was just, like, Mm -hmm. rolling in, like, running in together. And there's no, like, you can't see ground, you can't see anything. Absolutely. And, like, I remember thinking, I was just like, how are they even running? Like, if you think about how close they are together, Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like they're just one big unit just rushing in. Yeah, and that's a terrifying scene. Yeah, and that you know that's something that like that again the Americans faced it, South Koreans faced mm-hmm. it. Like that was something that was just like became kind of the, as notorious as like the kamikazes in the Second World War. Right, it was just something right. that happened that was really just hard to deal with from a psychological yeah. standpoint, from just like a numbers anyway. But the, and that's the only time I've ever seen that portrayed in a movie before, and so I thought that was really interesting um, and a really effective scene. Um, and then also like little small moments, like at the beginning, at the very beginning during like the framing thing when it shows the younger brother as an old man, there's that one really good cut between like it shows like the family portrait of when mm-hmm. he's old and mm-hmm. then that immediately cuts to the family portrait oh, of when he's yeah. young. Yeah. That was, that was excellent. Yeah. 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 
Um, and then toward the end, when it dissolves from the old spoilers, when the older brother is killed at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. it dissolves from him laying on the ground mm-hmm. to the skeleton, yeah. which again, that's the Saving Private Ryan kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um,. Anything for you, Cara? Anything else that stood out? Um, well, as I was doing my research, I'll just throw this out there. Uh, the IMDb goofs page caught my eye. Um, <laughs> a lot of flags not being of the correct year. Uh, so, you know, the, mm. the flag guy on set was, was the, slacking. Are you saying the flag unit was not up to snuff in this oh, movie? No. no, no, no. The flag... <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I got it. Um, the other thing that's just anachronistic, that was the only thing the goofs got, but uh, apparently the chocolate bar that he, that mm-hmm. um, Jin Tae brings to Jin Sook uh, is, it, it has a nutrition label oh. on the back, which was not required until the 1990s, <laughs> and it's king size, which wasn't intu- introduced until 1980. You know, that's, so, yeah. Really? You caught that? So, I didn't look it up, but when he presented, I was like, that is way too big. Like, <laughs> oh no, it's huge, like, yeah. It kind of felt like, like, our world, like the 2000s, were placed Ooh. since the 1950s. Yeah. When I saw it, I was like, that seems so out of place. Like, they could have done with like half that size and it would have still been effective. Right. But That's, it kind of looked like a clown moment where he presents this, like, and he's drunk, obviously. So, right. like, he just like presents this huge king size bar. I'm just like, did they even have that back then? Wow. I, I Google it, though. I just think, I mean, I could totally believe the, uh, the memory thing of like this gigantic yeah. chocolate <laughs> bar that he had. But I just think it's funny that someone was like, wait a minute, nutrition label? I don't, and they led with the nutrition label. So like, I think they, I this is a chocolate that. historian. So I didn't notice the nutrition label, but that might've been because the transfer that I saw was 480p, Ooh, like yeah. lower than like standard definition. Anyway, um, but yeah, so uh, I could only that is a good catch. SD. It was like, right, do you want yeah. to buy or rent SD? I was yeah. like, oh, I guess I'll rent yeah, it. Yeah, same, same. Um, yeah, I guess like, yeah. Uh, just final thoughts. I mean, maybe the only complaints I really had about this movie was that like some of the exposition dialogue was a little too on the nose for me, but mm-hmm. chalk that up to like a translation yeah, issue I think maybe. Yeah, translations were not that great. Yeah, like, yeah. Like sometimes they would give you like three words and I was like, that was like two sentences. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they would talk for a while and I was like, is this really all like, they're I, 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 I always think it's like funny in, whenever I'm watching like a translated like subtitled foreign movie and like right. you can immediately, like the moments when you can say, that's not what he said. Yeah, it's <laughs> so like, like da 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 and it's like one sentence yeah. on screen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, but, um, but then also just like the fact that, you know, I was left with definitely the idea that this is not a movie that could be really remade by Americans. Like the closest you could really get is maybe if you transpose the action to like the Civil War. Yeah. But even then, I just don't, I think this is so specific to like a time and place that it's, it would be impossible to really remake this anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the guts of the story are really, are solid and would really hold up, I think, in other situations. But this movie as a whole, it's so specific to like the South Korean experience or the yeah. Korean experience, I guess I should yeah. really say. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, I think that it's a really, really underseen and unique piece of cinema that kind of, I, I think it, it deserves a, a high quality Blu-ray probably. And I don't know that, I don't know if that exists, you know, it's, uh, yeah. um, anybody who is remotely interested in the Korean war should absolutely check this one definitely, out. Definitely. Definitely. And even, even kind of knowing where it was going by the end, you know, you know I, sobbed oh my god at the very end <laughs> cried yes. like just i've probably watched this movie about eight times even when i watched this again last night just tears oh mm-hmm. i can't even think about Waterworks. it too much i'm gonna start crying again <laughs> it was oh it was good it was yeah. really yeah i mean and, hard to watch but yeah. very good i mean something that we barely touched on in the conversation was that like you know by the end the older brother has this like 
break basically and he defects and he joins the North Korean army mm-hmm. and becomes basically this North Korean war hero now right. like this guy who like had won the highest honor of the South Korean army now switches sides and he is just like a bloodlusted psycho right. berserker right and see and like that like felt cartoonish in a way but also because you're feeling it through the younger brother you really get the like the trauma of seeing like one of your loved ones make a complete villain turn right mm-hmm. and I almost mean, kill you like they're yes, looking each other yes. in the eyes yeah. and, but he just him. he was untethered I felt yeah. like at that point like he didn't have his brother anymore right he didn't have his fiance nothing was going to be the yep. same and he just yeah I mean I think for. that for me resonated as like a really big like uh, like point in the movie was that you know at that point in his life like both the North Koreans and South Koreans had done so much damage mm-hmm. not just to his country but to him mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. right like so for him thinking that like he's just lost everyone that he loves you know so deeply mm-hmm. I think it kind of him defecting to the North Koreans I think that was kind of him showing like we're just all Koreans. We're just, it doesn't matter what side mm-hmm. you're fighting on, you're still going to just kill each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think at that point, he chose to just pick who he was most angry with. And I think a big part of it was like, I think he was angry about being, you know, about fighting for the South Koreans. And he had done so much just to watch his fiance and, you know, he thinks his, his brother is killed. But those were very deliberate acts that the South Korean, you know, leaders basically did. So I think right. for him, he saw that as, like, we're all the same anyways, but you guys now have killed, like, two people that I love, like, with all my heart. So I thought that was kind of, like, an interesting thing for him because at first, I remember the first time I watched this movie, I was like, was that really enough for him to just, like, switch over, you know, mm-hmm. to, like, the other side? But upon, like, rewatching, I was like, oh, like, I think that's probably why, you know? Right. Like, it's just, at the at the end of the day, there's all Koreans and all the same, but it's about, you know, who did wrong to you. Right. Everything he had lost, he had lost in yep. the hands of the South Koreans yep. at that right. sense, exactly. right. at that point. So Which yeah. is a very interesting thing because you would never I, I don't really feel like stuff like that is really portrayed. Usually you have yeah. the good guys and the bad guys. You mm-hmm. don't really have this mix of like, oh no, like who really is the enemy here, right? right. Like who is a good guy, like who's a bad guy? Like you don't know at this point. It's just all up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. Okay. So that pretty much brings us to the end. I think. Uh, thank you so much for <laughs> appearing with us. Yes. Thank you so much for bringing this. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And uh, this was an excellent choice. Um, I think that you know, again, as as I have mentioned, I think in every episode of the season so far, one of the things I love most about this podcast is that I, it makes me watch movies that I probably would not have seen otherwise. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of those cases. And I am so glad that I've seen this film. Uh, again, if you have any interest in. War films, if specifically if you're interested in the Korean War, mm-hmm. this is absolutely a film that you should see. Uh, Kari, final thoughts? No, I think you covered it. I'm glad, yeah, I mean, you might have seen this one eventually. <laughs> I don't know that I would have come across this one, so I'm, I'm really glad I've seen it, and we're going to see Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan soon, so <laughs> it'll be a really interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, glad I've glad i've seen it this was really interesting yeah absolutely thanks guys uh thank you so much for listening as always uh once again if you want more of that great k have you seen content you gotta check us out on instagram facebook at k have you seen uh also be sure to subscribe of course to our wonderful podcast um give us a review give us a rating and uh yeah if you would like to appear as a guest on k have you seen (laughs) please 
Send us a list of your top ten slide into our movies. DMs. Yeah, slide into those DMs. <laughs> Shoot us an email at uh, khyspodcast at gmail.com. Um, but uh, until next time, my name is Kyle. I'm Kari. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.